0: Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other,
1: and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Power Women in Insurance podcast. Today, we're talking with Lauren Montgomery, and she is a commercial insurance guru, to the amazing level. You guys are going to love our guest today. She has been in the industry for uh, a hot minute or two. She's going to talk to you a little bit about that. She's seen industry changes, she's seen agency changes, she's seen coverage changes, and she even has branched out above and beyond sales to be able to really encapsulate some awesome areas of the industry. And I'm not going to give away any of her secrets. So I'm going to let her tell you a little bit today. Lauren, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you so, so much. Wow, that was uh, that was pretty impressive. I hope I can live up to that introduction. Thank you. Absolutely.
1: Well, I have to be able to give uh, Ciara Gravia the, the uh, credit for being able to hook us up. She told me how amazing you are. And I told her that I wanted more women on the podcast in sales and with that drive and with that passion and with that mentor philosophy, because I don't feel like there are a ton of commercial especially women producers out there in the industry so I'm really excited that we get to be able to have you on pick your brain a little bit and learn about your journey first of all tell me about your journey tell me how you got where you are tell me about kind of that that that, that process of becoming lauren Montgomery and the awesomeness that you are
0: oh my goodness oh my goodness I should I should have my dad chime in here he can he can tell you about his daughter uh, I love so- it so um, I graduated SUNY Albany in 1982 with a bachelor's degree in psychology, which isn't worth the paper it's printed on unless you're <laughs> going to do something with that degree, like, you know, get some sort of an advanced education, your doctorate, whatever, or if you're going to do research work. So, you know, you get your bachelor's degree in psychology and what do you do? You go into sales. So when I um when I uh, graduated from college, I sort of didn't really know what to do with myself. And I floundered around for a couple of years doing something that was not even worth talking about. Um, And then I had an aunt who owned a personnel agency in South Florida. And she didn't have a really large circle of friends and she didn't have a significant other. And she's like, oh, Lori, come on down and I'll get you a great job. And I talked to my dad about it. And he says, "What what have you got to lose? He said, try it. So I moved to New York on a Monday. I had my first interview with Liberty Mutual that Friday. Uh, she loved Liberty. She had a really good working relationship with them. And she said, I'll make sure that you tell them what you need to tell them so that they'll hire you. You know, She knew what they were looking for. So I had three rounds of interviews with Liberty Mutual, and they ultimately hired me. And what was interesting about that is that at the time that they were hiring, they needed a basically a service rep, and they also needed a producer. And I didn't know what any of that meant, and I didn't know... I didn't know which was going to be the better path for me, because here I am, not in a professional environment, not having really done anything when I got out of college. I mean, I worked for a family-owned business for some friends of ours, but not a professional environment. So I said to the gal who was interviewing me, who, by the way, was a very powerful, capable woman and and was a great mentor to me along the way. I said, well, what do you think? She says, I think you can do production. I think we should put you in that role. And thankfully, she directed me towards that, because otherwise I would have... Have been doing probably much more account management work and cross-selling as opposed to production so anyway I started in Liberty in 1984 I had a really nice run of it I uh, over I I guess I'm not really sure how it evolved but I, I ended up with a niche in construction I always liked uh, the 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 technical side of it and how construction is more complicated because of the risk management strategies and all of that kind of fun stuff. And then with Liberty Mutual, we did write a lot of large construction Mm -hmm. companies. And what was really cool about that is that Liberty was known at the time and very well may still be known as a big workers comp provider. So I got to play in the space of retros and large deductibles. And there was like a little bit of captive stuff here and there. And it was just a really interesting book of business and a really interesting time for me. And I absorbed it all like a sponge. I, I mm-hmm. did have I did have great leadership along the way, several of whom were women, and they really helped build me and develop me into a very knowledgeable, capable producer. So I, so, I, a, I was just going to say,
1: see. did you start in commercial? So when you got hired, they automatically yeah. put you in commercial or did you, did you start
0: with personal lines? Did you automatically know, like day do. one go directly yeah. into commercial, right? Oh yeah. We didn't okay. had a personal lines department, but that was a whole different animal. Yeah. I never ever, ever did personal lines. I mean, I know enough about personal that I, you know, when I took my exam in 1984 or whatever, and my CPCU subsequent stuff to that, where they remind you about coverage A through whatever it was, all of those different things and farm coverage, but you know, I've always been a commercial producer. um, Okay. always worked in companies that had a separate personal lines department. So no, I mean, I refer business in and out and I can discuss about it, but it is, I never, ever, ever play in that space.
1: Perfect. I just wanted to make sure, just want to make sure. So what did you find most exciting about getting into commercial? Like, because when you first got in, I mean, number one, the, the, the industry's changed dramatically with all the technology and the online rating versus this, that, and the other. Right. What did you find most exciting? What drew you? What said, when when did you know? Maybe this is I kind of developed my questions as I go. So I apologize. This is kind of stream of consciousness. But when did you say, oh my gosh, I love this? What made you hit that? yes, button in your career, you know, that, that point where you knew this was where you
0: needed to be? That's a really interesting question. And nobody's ever asked me that. Um, you know, I don't know that I ever did. Really? I, don't okay. I, ever did. I, I just, I knew that I was good at it. Um, well, I will tell you, uh, the very best day that I ever, ever had, was um, I had had a a prospect, a family owned and operated um, trim and millwork company that I had been chasing for years and years and years and years and years. And um, I would call every year, 90 days before the renewal date. And during the year, I always have a database where I would send information. I guess back then it was by mail. Now it's all email. You know, you click, click a button and literally reach a thousand people. But I would always reach out to them. And um, every year when the policy was coming up for renewal, I would call and say, Hey, will you give us a shot? And the one year the son answered the phone and said, You know what? I'd like for you to come in and talk to me and my mom. Well, I noticed that he hadn't mentioned his dad. And so when I went for the meeting, they shared with me that the father had passed away
1: Um. and the
0: parents were in their eighties, but they were still actively involved in the business. And the son was in his early forties and he was coming up the line and he was learning the business, but he wasn't prepared. He was not prepared. So the mom's grieving the loss of the dad. And here you've got a family owned and operated business and the kid doesn't know what in the heck he's doing. So I go for this meeting to talk with them. And it turns out that their agent was a family friend. He had been the family friend and the agent for 20 plus years. And I meet with the son, the mom, the CFO, the VP of operations and their CPA. And I go through every policy, every line of insurance. And it turns out that this agent, this family friend was doing them no favors at all on the workers comp. They weren't getting the drug free or the safe workplace credit. So right away they had 7% that they were leaving on the table because in the state of Florida, you get a 5% credit for being drug free and a 2% credit for being safety compliant. So right there, there was 7% of their premiums and their premiums back then. In the late '80s and early '90s was maybe it was the early maybe it was '95 because the punchline of the story is Hurricane Wilma that was '95. Okay, so it was it was 1995. So his premiums back then were 150 thousand dollars a year, which you know that's wow. So And his experience mod was like a, a 0.69 or some crazy thing. They, they, were doing, they were doing exactly what they needed to do, but their agent wasn't sophisticated enough and they weren't really getting any of the credit. They didn't have a good dividend plan. In fact, they were on a retro with an upswing, which wasn't an appropriate placement for the type of company that they had. But anyway, long story short, I go through all the policies, all the lines of coverage. They weren't getting the workers' comp credits. They weren't getting, I don't know if you remember back in the day, the Florida... Uh, Uh, contractors classification premium adjustment? No, I don't think so. I didn't get into business
1: until the early 2000s. And I'm, and I, you know, so I don't, I don't think that was around my space.
0: Okay. So, so what happened was, is there was a period of time where the state of Florida, Florida was offering this FCAP credit to contractors, because you had a disconnect because you had guys in the field that were senior guys that were making a lot of payroll, but workers' comp obviously charges a rate per hundred of payroll. So if you have a brand new journeyman electrician that's just his first day on the job, and he's getting $15 an hour. And then you've got the guy that's been doing it for 30 years and he's making $40 an hour. Well, your workers comp is based for the the senior guy at $40 an hour. So they have this FCAP program that basically gave a credit based on the hourly wage of the employee, and it could be up to 25% of the workers' comp premium. Now, the, the program mostly went away as the workers' comp, remember the rates started to come down in 2008, mm-hmm. and, and so once the rates started to come down and we got that great reform in 2003, uh, they no longer felt the need for that program to offset the very, very highly compensated uh, field guys. But I got these people retroactively three years of FCAP credit. Oh my goodness. It was like $150,000 worth of retroactive credit. And then on our Liberty Mutual policy, we got them another $60,000 credit going forward because of the drug free and the safety and everything else. Okay. So that that was fabulous, right? So we did the workers' comp first. And then They had split X states. I don't remember exactly. But a couple of months later, we sit down and I had gone through all of their policies, even though I knew that we weren't going to be placing everything at that time. I really wanted to learn about their business. And we had the very unusual opportunity of having the mom there and the CFO and the CPA. So I didn't want to miss that. So one of the other things we talked about is we went through the property policy and we did business income valuation. And I asked the questions like, if you came up to the building tomorrow and it had burned to the ground. What how would you manage your operations? Do you have a reciprocal arrangement for somebody else to manufacture for you? Do you have another location where you could move people? And we were having, you know, and what would how much would you lose? What would it cost you to move? Blah, blah, blah. So and then we found out they had two buildings side by side, like in the same parking lot. They didn't have blanket building coverage. They didn't have blanket uh, personal property, even though they were moving inventory literally back and forth across the driveway sometimes. When they would have a big project, they'd take half a million dollars worth of doors or millwork and move it from one building to the other for storage. So, But they didn't have any blanket coverage. And they didn't have their their BI coverage, the business interruption had an ordinary payroll limitation and all kinds of exclusions. So we went through all of the, every single line, literally took four hours. I was with them. Oh my goodness. More copious notes and everything else. Long story short, we wrote a gold-plated platinum policy with Liberty Mutual. And because their family friend had gotten so complacent and was basically raping them, I got them $9 million worth of TIV for about 10% more than the $4.5 million TIV that they had. So coinsurance would have been an issue had they had a claim and then all of the exclusions on the BI and blah, blah, blah. Not 10 months after I wrote this policy and cleaned this all up, Hurricane Wilma blew through and we think that what happened was a tornado went down their block because when we went to look at Oh my goodness. It, the entire block there was nothing left of anything. He called me the morning after Wilma and he said I'm sitting in front of my building there is nothing left the roof is gone all nine overhead garage doors are blown out. I have my family businesses gone. And I realized that I was probably a little cavalier about it because I knew we had done the work. And I said, you're fine. <laughs> you're right. fine. It's okay. You're fine. And I, and I, I realized afterwards that I probably, again, I, I probably wasn't as sympathetic as I maybe should have been or could have been, but I knew that we had done the work and I knew that they were going to be fine. The punchline of the story, and it took over a year because you know that business income claims are usually forensic, yep. right? Like yep. we had to wait until they got back up and running. So they ended up pulling trailers into the parking lot, moving their whole accounting office over. Um, they they were able to salvage some, some of the product. They were able to salvage some of the equipment, but they were mostly out of business for numbers of months. At the end of the day, they got paid two and a half million dollars. I actually had my claims adjuster come directly from he didn't do not pass go. do not collect $200. He drove directly from where he was coming from. I don't know if it was Boston or North Carolina. But I said, I need you to go to these people first. While he was there, he cut them a check for a quarter of a million dollars just to get them started. Like no lines, no waiting, no questions, because it was Liberty Mutual and we were all captive. So they knew this was going to be a big claim and they knew that it was going to be. And so they just cut the guy a check. Um numbers of months later, the money starts funneling in, you know, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, the guy calls me and he goes, La- Lauren, I thought we were done, but I just got another check for a million dollars. What's the money? <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that day that we were sitting with your CPA and your mom, the first day that I met you and I asked you all those questions about if the building burned down tomorrow, what would you do? You know, How would you pay your employees? I said, we were doing what was called business income valuation. And um, I wrote a coverage inside of your policy that reimbursed you for all your extra expenses over and above the normal cost of doing business. It paid for all of your employees, even when you were shut down and it paid for your loss of income during the months that you were rebuilding and getting back up and running. And he said to me, you saved my business. My father would be so proud of me right now that you saved my business. So the Mm -hmm. very, very, very long answer to the very short question is that was the very best day I ever had in my 38 year career. That, you know, when he said to me, you saved my business, my dad would be really proud of me. Mm -hmm. You know, and
1: how how many people, how many people would say that was probably the very worst day of their career? You know, when when that when that, you know, hurricane came through and the tornado took out the entire block and how many people, including that agent that you took took over and saved this policy for this client that how many of his clients or whatever, because that was maybe his territory in his area as well. But, you know, would have said. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. These people are out of business or these people cannot rebuild or, you know, um, have to completely pivot and change and da, 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 whatever people do to be able to try to get back up and running, that they don't have the coverage. I mean, what a blessing that you were able to come on in and do that for them.
0: Yeah, I, I was very, very, very happy. I mean, that I felt like I really earned my keep that day. So that was so that, I guess that's why we do it, right? So that when something bad happens, and the thing that's interesting about our industry and what we do is it's a completely one-sided contract, right, We the, 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 the agreement is, is that they pay the premium and that when something bad happens, if they're going to be taken care of, but they never know until after that claim happens whether or not we've done our job. And you know, you alluded to the fact that I'm I'm I've branched out and I've done some additional things. One of the things I'm doing right now that I'm loving is expert witness work. I've been hired um, in a in a case which involves issues with insurance placement. And there are lots of times where people don't do what they're supposed to do up front. And then there's a claim and the person is left standing saying, wait a second, I bought a policy. What do you mean I don't have coverage? I I have I (laughs) I've come you've done this. I've come across policies because I play in the construction space a lot. I have I have many clients where I've been referred in because I don't cold call anymore. I mean 38 years in the industry I just don't I just don't do that. So everything I get is referral or warm lead. you know people like Sierra and I we, we do a lot of referral stuff. I feed her all of the stuff that's below our premium threshold and she's amazing by the way. she's building a fabulous agency there. Um, but anyway, um, so when I have a situation, Um, where I get referred in, the first thing I do is I say, let me see what you have, because a lot of times they want to sign the account over by agent of record. And I don't want to take over somebody else's policy. Right. You You want to take over our problems, right? right. Sometimes we have to because of timing or market, especially with what we're seeing now in this horrific market, which I know you'll ask me about in a minute as well. But anyway, I mean, I've looked at construction policies where they do residential work and they have a residential exclusion. Mm. high-rise work and their policy contains a three-story height limitation. I'm like, wait a second. So so my strategy when I go in to meet somebody for the first time is I say, tell me about your business. And then I just write and I write and I write and I write. And I usually end up with a couple of pages of notes. So shockingly, I can actually be quiet and listen, (laughs) No, so, you know, tell me about your business and people like to talk about what they do. And you can mm-hmm. usually find out a lot of stuff by just letting them go. And so I so I let this guy talk and I said, "And what projects are you working on? Oh, I've got a six story hotel and I'm doing this uh, renovation on a condo. Blah, blah, blah. And then after all is said and done, I say, all right, I'd like to get copies of your policies. And as we're talking, I'm flipping through and I find a residential exclusion and I find a three story height limitation. And I'm like, whoa, we got a problem. And they're like, they don't, they, they're like, they don't understand how can my agent have put me in a policy that has a three-story height limitation when they know that I do a six-story building. So, you know, those are the types of things that if we can get to somebody before they have the claim and we can fix it before they have the claim, yay, it's a great day. Sometimes you can't. And sometimes you get called in as an expert witness because somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do. And there's a claim and now there's nobody to pay the bill. Yeah. So, I mean, you've, you it's amazing the stuff that you find in policies. That are, My brother was down visiting me a year ago and he was in a scuba diving boat and he got called over to the boat by the captain. And as he swam over, he saw that the propeller was still spinning and the wave pushed him right into the spinning propeller, gashed his arm really, really badly. He's fine. He didn't lose an arm or anything. Oh, my goodness. But when he got a PI attorney and they filed a claim against the boat, there's an exclusion on the policy for all bodily injury arising out of scuba diving operations. It's a scuba diving boat with a name right on the side of it. Isn't diving. that crazy? So isn't that goes- crazy? People don't
1: read the policy. I mean, I got a quote, I got a quote uh, a couple of weeks ago from people who do work on eBay and um, Amazon to be able to sell products, right? And on right. the quote, it was an online business exclusion. I, I literally I literally went back to the underwriter that sent me this quote and said, why would you even send this to me? Number one, number two, do you think I'm that stupid to even present this? And well, actually at that point, I think I just said whatever. And I just went a different direction. I didn't say anything. Then they came back and they were like, so where are we at with that quote, you know, following up with me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, really? So now you're going to get a piece of my mind that you, number one, even presented it. Number two that you would think that you need to follow up with the fact that I presented it. I said, it didn't even make it past me because that's, right. I mean, I'm not going to present something that's going to exclude the person's main operations or Absolutely. a part of their operations. But how many people does that get past? You know exactly. what I mean?
0: I mean, I can't tell you the numbers of times over the in 38 years. It's been hundreds of times yeah. that I've received quotes from a broker that ex- specifically, explicitly excludes exactly the work that they do. And you're like, what well, I- no, you know, I agree right. with you. It's unfortunate because and, and one of the neat things about working on the brokerage side versus the company side, like with um, Liberty Mutual, is that Liberty, we were all captive and we couldn't choose who we worked with. They told us who was assigned to our territory based on the um, the type of business and, the, um, and uh, the, the line of insurance. But on the brokerage side, you know, you've got. How many wholesalers? And so if one wholesaler is not sharp and is feeding you this kind of garbage that he hasn't even read or she hasn't even read the, um, the, the applications that you submit, you have the opportunity, which is fabulous, to go to a different wholesaler. Yeah, and, say, well, and there are some that we've developed relationships with over the years. Because now I'm on brokerage side, 15 years. You know, there are some that I say, okay, you know, these are my go-to for professional, and these are my go-to for for GL for contractors because you just know that they get it. Yeah, so that's and that's very- I think
1: the beauty of being that brokerage is yeah. that you can say I don't choose to work with you, or I do choose to work with you, and then you can really get to know your underwriter. So. How was that process of coming out of Liberty Mutual for you into a brokerage type situation? Because you did uh, go to work for a brokerage out of Liberty Mutual, I think you had said right around 2007. So how was that process for you? Was it like Christmas? (laughs) I mean, because all of a sudden you could go different places and do different things and you probably already had a lot of really good relationships with a lot of people already.
0: That's a really good question. Uh, ironically enough, I really struggled with the transition okay. from uh, agency. I mean, from the company side to brokerage side. Um, Even though at Liberty Mutual, I was a really small fish in a really big pond, I was very successful in that environment. I had really good relationships with my underwriters. And even though my box was very, very small, and anytime there was a hurricane, our box got smaller because Liberty was always the first one to raise prices, raise deductibles, pull out of the market. And we were always the last ones to go in. But I was very successful in that environment. And um, so when I went over to the brokerage side, everything was new I had never seen in a court application before we didn't use them at School. and I remember that when I would when I would do a submission at Liberty I once had an underwriter say to me Lauren I love getting submissions from you he said actually it was a she she said I know that when something comes across my desk from you, I'm going to have everything I need. There's going to be a narrative. You're going to have all the loss runs. You're going to explain any large claims, you know, fleetless driver, whatever I might need. And I just so look forward to it that, you know, your stuff always gets to the top of my pile because it's just such a pleasure to work with you, which is like, oh my God, like how much better, more validation can you get than that? Right. Right. Other Other than a client writing you a check for a policy. So I come over to corporate insurance advisors and I'm struggling, muddling through with these accord apps. And you know, if you if you ever looked at an accord app, you never fill out every single line item of an accord app because you couldn't possibly, right? right? So everyone in the industry. But you think knows you that. have to. When you're new, you're like, oh my gosh, all these fields, I have
1: to fill them all out. And then you like freak out about it and you go back and you look back over them. Did I miss something? That was always my big thing. When I first, first, first started, I was like, oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And it's voluminous, right? And so Mm -hmm. you've got You've got the, the 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 general app, you've got then you, you know, the 125, and then you've got your 126, and you, you've got your auto app and your blah blah blah. So there's an app, there's an accord for everything. And so it's voluminous. And so I remember really being overwhelmed and struggling with what mm. information do they absolutely have to have, whatever. And so I would I did what I knew best, right? 23 years of here's my narrative, here's my loss runs, here's my fleet list, driver's list and i remember with my big smile on my face all proud and you know bringing my stack of paper because this was 2000 and seven. So we were still using a lot of paper back then. And I brought it into our marketing department and I go, here you go. Here's my submission. And she says, all right, leave it on the table. I'll get back to you. You know, give me some time to review it. And she calls me back into her office a few hours later and she shoves the package back across the desk at me. And she says, this is the worst submission I've ever gotten in my life. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I was devastated. And I mean, this is 2007 and I still remember the conversation 15 years later. So you can imagine how traumatized Uh I was. So I'd like to say, oh, yes, it was Christmas. And oh, yes, it was the best experience ever. But I really, really struggled with the transition because I was used to doing things a certain way. I knew what was expected of me. And candidly, on the brokerage side, you could give them Every accord and every loss run and a submission is never complete. Ever you can give a, you can give the narrative, you can give the accords, you can give the the, the loss runs, you can give a fleet list, drivers list, uh, um, you know, Amrisk, Sov. They will never say thank you for your submission. We'll give you a quote. It's always what about this? What about this? What about this? And then you go through the process and you bind it. And then after you bind it, it's like oh wait. What about this? What so you're never done? You're just never done. And to me, that has been the hardest thing. Even fifteen years in, the hardest thing about the brokerage side and the agency side is that you're just never done. And then there's an inspection, and they say, "Well," and they have eight million other questions, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's just, it's, it's, it's really been a huge learning curve for me. And I'm not going to lie, I'm 15 years in, and there's still times I get caught off guard, like, Oh, what? Oh, yeah, I didn't do this, or I didn't do that. So I mean, I found my way, but no, it wasn't like Christmas for me. Mm -hmm. I I did. um, I did. Do a lot of what I had done at Liberty as far as um, what on our direct contracts, like our CNA and our Hartford and our Zurich, I did get develop relationships with the underwriters. And that was actually one of the things that. Mark Schwartz, who was our CEO at Corporate Insurance Advisors, really advocated. He said, you know, you want to develop a relationship with your lead underwriter because that's how you get stuff done. You know, they know that you are that you are a straight shooter and that you're going to be fair and all of that kind of stuff. So uh, and that you're not going to try and sneak something by them. So that was very helpful bringing that that what I had learned at Liberty over and Mark supporting it was very, very beneficial.
1: I love that. I love that. Cause I think a lot of people do think that going to the brokerage side is going to be like Christmas
2: and they don't
1: realize the, the, the difference in the, in the, the way that the business is done between the two sides um, on personal lines and commercial, you know, right. I know that we were, we were more all state personal lines. That was mainly our focus, but even on both sides of it, I know that, that people always think it's going to be like Christmas all of a sudden, You're going to have all these options and everything's just going to run smoothly and it does not necessarily. So, um, I appreciate you saying that because it is like Christmas in some ways that you have you have options, but it's also a lot of brick walls, a lot of headbutting, a lot yeah. of having to ask questions, a lot of learning and a lot of, like you said, never done, never, ever done. And all of a sudden something comes back and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you get yeah. that email from the underwriter with that subject line on it. And some days I'm like, I don't even want to open it. I just, I don't even want to open the email because then I have yeah. to be accountable for the fact that I know what's in it. You know, and then I have to go to work and do something additional. And sometimes I'm like, I
0: just, I'm done. I just don't want to do it. (laughs) I agree with you. I agree with you. And it's, that's a, that's a perfectly valid uh, position to take. I get it.
1: So you went from CIA from the conversation of 2007 to 2021. Tell me what major life event happened in your career in 2021
0: a major life event. You mean when CIA... well, for, for your
1: career? Yeah. For, for, for December, 2021.
0: Okay. So in December, 2021, our, uh, corporate insurance advisors was sold to Brown and Brown. And, uh, so we became part of the Brown and Brown family. Uh, it was an asset sale, of uh, Brown and Brown, uh, of Florida and Fort Lauderdale. Um, Uh, was was acquired or acquired uh, corporate insurance advisors. And so we were absorbed into the Brown and Brown family. And what's really neat about that is I'm now back in large corporate America. I did 23 years at Liberty Mutual, you know, small fish, big pond. And then I did 15, 14 and a half years at a boutique brokerage with one location in downtown Fort Lauderdale. And now here I am back again in large corporate America. Um, I have to tell you, I am so, so, so impressed with the Brown & Brown organization. Um, Our profit center leader specifically, um, his name is Mike Gorham. And he, um, he started he came up the line in Brown and Brown and he was a producer for a while and made his way up the line. And now he's the profit center leader for the Fort Lauderdale office. And they're constantly making acquisitions. That's Brown and Brown's model, which I think is absolutely brilliant. I mean, you know, the, one of the most difficult, things in our industry is human capital. So Brown Brown, uh, gets to absorb corporate insurance advisors and our, you know, 20 plus employees that are all licensed and our book of business and they don't have to go out and find it. You know, they just, they bought it. So it's brilliant. But so the profit center, leader is responsible for Fort Lauderdale. And there's about 100, I think there's 170 employees in the Fort Lauderdale office. Um, I don't really go there. I do have a cube, but I don't really go there. I mostly work from home. But we do have our Zoom calls and I do go in for the quarterly office meeting and they have monthly uh, sales meetings that I try to attend. But the organization itself is just so Team oriented. I mean, they don't even call the, the employees employees. They're team members. you brown and mm-hmm, brown yeah. company with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of profit centers and over 14, almost 14,000 teammates or 12,000 teammates, which I absolutely love. Um, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. The the folks that we that we work with that came over from corporate insurance advisors are already being acknowledged, and um, they they uh, when they acquired us they kept our tenure. So I'm actually considered a 15 year Brown and Brown employee, which is awesome. And so they have different milestones that you meet, and they actually give bonuses based on your length of tenure, which is so fun. So, um, but it's just it's a really really nice environment and i don't know if all of brown and brown is like this or it's just our office because i don't really have any benchmark to to determine but i will tell you it's a really really good environment very very supportive very proactive the communication is phenomenal and the opportunity is is tremendous for our teammates it's just really a great organization so for me personally um I don't see a tremendous change because I have my book of business. I have my niches. I know that there are people that would say, well, you know, Brown and Brown is very cannibalistic. You know, you have all of your producers are going after the same accounts and you don't have any territory restrictions. Like, so Brown and Brown, if I had a, if I had an in on a prospect in New York and I could show that I had the relationship and I had the broker of record, that's going to be my deal. So but for me as a 38-year insurance producer, that's not a negative because I have my relationships and I get my my, my new business and my new accounts by broker of records. So I think it might be more challenging for somebody new coming into the industry that doesn't have those relationships and can't reach out and, and grab a BOR yeah. or, or leverage that. But so that that's that was a big change, but more for my CIA team members than for me, because I'm still doing the same thing that I always did, which is I manage my book. I do a lot of networking. I'm on the board of two groups. I'm the membership chair for the National Association of Women in Construction. So I'm sure you'll ask me about that. Um, And then I'm also the membership chair for the Florida Design and Construction Professionals Group. Like I said, I have a niche in construction. So I keep myself out there um, it's been kind of interesting with COVID. I, I I did get back into the networking quite a bit, probably last summer and beyond, but then I've okay. been traveling this year. So I haven't been doing a lot of in-person networking as of the new year. Um, I'm getting ready to travel again this week. But I had gone up to New York to visit with my 92-year-old dad and didn't want to bring anything into him. So I kind of stepped back a little bit from the networking, but I'm um, keep my I keep my... My my foot in the game, and I'm I'm, I'm my, I send out tons of emails with these different groups. Anytime somebody has an interest in the group or or wants information, so it's not as much in person for me right now. But I, I do have a lot of interactions with people. Oh, and I'm on the board of FAIA. The um, um it's called Pay It Forward Committee. We welcome all the new members.
1: So so that's a great conversation of you've done the the networking the the you've learned about your industry you've learned about your clients you've learned about their niches and their spaces and their industry and now you're on boards that are part of their industries and part of their spaces tell me right. how you made that journey because I think a lot of people stick with the insurance stick with it but they don't really ingrain themselves as much into a a industry the way that you really have done so tell me a little bit about how you've been able to do that
0: okay that's a great well you ha- first of all you have to You have to find a way to differentiate. So, okay, so so this is a great question. And the answer is, I think, even better. When I worked at Liberty Mutual, I used to sit with my feet up on the desk and I would make a handful of phone calls, cold calling. And every single person that I spoke to said, Oh, I already have an agent. And my in was, yes, you do. However, I have a proprietary product, your agent can't access this was before Liberty went, you know, went brokerage, right? I "I have a proprietary product, your agent can't access Liberty, and I'm not going to stomp all over his Hartford or CNA policy or whatever. So it doesn't cost you anything to come in and have me take a look. It's free advice, right? You don't pay me for my time. I'm not like, an attorney or a CPA where you pay me by the hour. If I can give you a better program and I can give you a better deal and you decide to buy from me, that's how I get compensated. So it was a very low pressure situation. They didn't feel overwhelmed or intimidated or in any way, shape or form put upon because I wasn't threatening their relationship with their agent. I had a proprietary product. So then I go over to the brokerage side and I'm just the same as everyone else. Mm-hmm. How do you differentiate yourself from every other voice on that phone that says, oh, we specialize in. oh, we have all the markets and oh, I've got 25 years in the yep. industry. Oh, so how do you differentiate yourself from every other voice on the phone? You build your network. You build your centers of influence. You go and you meet people in person. You show up on time. You offer to speak. You offer to be a resource. So one of the things that I did is I joined a networking group called BNI, which is Business Networking International. And it's actually kind of not the right fit for somebody who does what I do because it's very business to consumer. So it's a great organization for somebody that does a lot of personal lines or small small commercial, Um, but it's also great for like your hairdressers and your small CPAs and your realtors. And what the BNI network taught me or that experience taught me is how to be a good networker, how to be the center of influence, how to be the person that everybody calls when they say, hey, do you know someone who does blah, blah, blah? And so I became, it took numbers of years, but I became that person that everybody called when they needed anything. Do you know a realtor? Do you know a banker? Do you know this? Do you know that? And then so once I got involved in the networking side of things, I, 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 always offered to be a mentor and to speak and to be on the board. All of these organizations are looking for new blood in the boards always, because you always have, like in anything else, you have people that are underperforming, right? So if you have a group and there's eight or nine people on the board, you're probably going to have two or three people on that board that are not performing, yeah. that yeah. to that, that probably be rotated out. So when I would get involved in these groups and I'd say, how can I help? I'd love to be on the board. Boom. Now you're on the board. Now you say, "Okay, what positions can I? And I wanted to make myself as visible as possible. So I said, I'll do the membership chair." So now I'm responsible for sending out emails and newsletters. And thank you for your interest in our group. So it just evolves over time. But you've got to differentiate yourself from everybody else in the pack. And the only way to do that is to do something different.
1: I love that. And I love that. And I love that you volunteered. It wasn't that you were asked or begged or I think sometimes we wait for someone to tell right. us that we're wanted or that we're needed or beg us because we're quote unquote so busy, right? I think I love the fact that you said you you volunteered. You stepped up, you said, I want to serve this industry. And mm-hmm. by doing that, yeah. it really made a difference. It put mm-hmm. you on a level above everybody else.
0: A thousand percent. A thousand percent. And it's carried me a long way, especially on the brokerage side. I've developed some really good relationships. And uh, yes, I strongly, strongly recommend that. And obviously, I don't know how you manage your interactions or your information exchange with your folks, but please feel free to put all my contact information, make it available to them, give them my cell phone number. And I'm happy to help and give advice and suggestions to anybody that needs it. They're more than welcome to call me and I'll kind of tell them what I know and give them some suggestions. So
1: I love it. I love it. Well, I do want to make sure in an honor of time that I also have one more thing I want to make sure that I cover, and that is your court experiences. I, how did you get involved with that? What does that, you know, um, I, I just think it would give you a totally different um. I don't, I'm not really perspective, but kind of sort of, I know you've already seen where other insurance agents probably maybe don't read the policy. We've already talked about that, right? There's lapses, there's, there's differences of areas of coverage that were not, that were, should have been probably filled that were not. How has that really impacted you by being able to go and being able to be a part of the legal process, being able to be a witness being a, or a, um, a, a professional How did you get into it? How has that kind of impacted your career? How long have you been doing that?
0: Okay, so that's a a lot of questions. I'll try to answer it as best as I can. So (laughs) um, the way that I got the the introduction or the the gig that I'm working on now, the expert witness thing that I'm doing now, is I had met some attorneys through some construction related networking, and we maintained a relationship. We did the lunch thing a couple of times. They called me when they had just general questions for their clients. And of course they bill by the hour, but I, but I, I as a general rule, unless I'm, I'm I've been, I've been retained and hired as an expert witness or as a consultant, I don't get paid by the hour. So that's a benefit to them because they can call and pick my brain and say, Hey Lauren, we have this, or what do you think about that? And what, so they would call me and I would always give them my expertise for free. And so they saw me as a valued, knowledgeable resource. And they had a situation, the one that I'm involved in now, where um, there was an issue with insurance placement, and there was a claim that should have been paid, but wasn't. And so what's interesting about it is that I had a conversation with the attorneys and I said, I'm not really excited about going to court and being deposed. And they're like, why not? I said, because it's the opposing counsel's job to discredit me and make me. (laughs) So, you know, while I'm really good at what I do and uh, I understand insurance and I obviously speak well and I am very, you know, composed. I, I know that their job is to try to knock me off the tracks and, you know, confuse me. Yep. And it's funny because we're in, we're in the process of, obviously, I can't speak about specifics because it's an active case, the one that I'm working with now. But um, the one attorney, he keeps asking me the same question. He'll say, wouldn't you agree that? And he'll say, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't agree that. And he's like, okay, well, wouldn't you agree that? And he asked me the question a different way. And I finally said to him in deposition, I said, you can ask me the same question 15 different ways. And the answer is going to be the same every single time. So uh, it's it's a little disconcerting because I don't do this every day. And I'm right. still learning the process. And then, of course, every attorney has their own Way of doing things and their own idiosyncrasies. So now that I've been on this one particular case for, boy, it's going on two and a half years, and I know the attorneys, and I've had dialogue with them, and I've been in depositions where they're deposing somebody else, and I'm just observing. Um, I I kind of have a better feel for how they're going to come at me. But that's probably the most disconcerting and that's the interesting part for me mm-hmm. is not knowing how they're going to approach me or if they're going to try to make me look bad. The good part is, is that I never lie. I don't, um, I know it doesn't sound like it, but I don't embellish, you know, I just <laughs> answer the question. And so they can't trip me up. Thankfully, you know, I, I just, I, I, I always, I say what I believe and I never deviate from that. And it's interesting because after you do your deposition, they ask you to um, go read it and make sure that there's not any mistakes or anything. And there were like, so a couple of times we were talking about E and O, which was errors and omissions, but it read on the deposition as the letter E, the letter N, and the letter O. So I said, there are some corrections, but it's really grammatical. It's not content. So, um, but anyway, when I read back through my deposition, I thought, girl, you did a good job. Like you I was uh, yeah, so I so wait wait again. You know, the first time you do anything, um, it, it it's harder, right? Going back, yeah. to what We were before the first time I tried to do an accord. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. You do the best you can, and you hope for a good result. So, um, I'm hoping to do um a lot more of this type of work. This the what the project that I'm on now. This is actually my first one. So, and we are about two and a half years into it, and I do believe wow. That Opportunity. Um, and, 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 you know, I'm always checking with the attorneys, our attorneys, you know, are, am I helping? Do you find that there's value? They're like, oh my God, the stuff that you're finding, we wouldn't have known to look for that. Yeah. Like, we known to ask those questions. So that's pretty validating. And again, I don't have to sell anything. I don't have to fill out an application. I don't have to respond to a list of subjectives from an underwriter. I just get to use my brain and my 38 years worth of knowledge and we get paid for it. It's fabulous. I highly, highly, highly recommend. You know, and I think
1: one of the things that I love is how you've just embraced the entire process of your career and all the different areas that it's taken you and you've just flowed and moved and evolved and grown. And I just think if there are other women who want to get involved in commercial insurance, construction, because I think even the construction area of insurance is intimidating for women, not only because it's not an area that women usually are in, right? Like, like I don't grow, I didn't grow up playing with power tools, you know, if I wanted to be able to, or my daughter, my daughter actually just got licensed. She's about to start the uh, State Auto Commercial Lines Training Program. We're talking uh-huh. about contractors in the Denver area because she's in Denver. And we're, we're trying to get to the point where we're ready to start kind of defining a niche she wants to go after because I know that's part of the program. And um, as if you were to sit in front of a young Newly licensed, maybe not necessarily young, but a newly licensed brand new (laughs) to the industry woman entering into commercial lines. What advice would you give them um, as far as like growing and and all the awesomeness that your career has given what what advice would you give that person if they were sitting you know CR right in front of you I mean she's been in the industry for a while just opened up her own agency but she's really blooming in that commercial space but what advice would you give someone entering the commercial industry
0: at this time that's such a great question um I would say show up on time know your stuff and be a resource for everybody be the person that people call when they have a question even if it's not directly related to something like for example somebody asked me the other day hey I you know somebody's asking me about med now and I go you know what I don't do it I don't play in that space but I have somebody you can call so you 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 make yourself a resource and you make yourself the person that people think of when they have a question, even if it's not necessarily, I have a construction insurance related question. And then you're always, always, always learning, always. I mean, when I worked at Liberty Mutual, Okay. So I got my CPCU. I was working towards my, I don't remember what the other one is, but I I realized very soon in, listen, I have to do CE every year. Why would I just go and do something back then? It wasn't web-based. You had to actually go and sit somewhere. Class, but why would I just kill however many hours? Why don't I work towards a goal? So I got my CPCU. Always, always, always learning. You know, take. We all have a limited amount of time in the day and in our lives. I mean, I'm I'm a single person and I never had children, and that was by choice, and that's a story for another day. But most people don't have the kind of flexibility and the kind of time that I have, right? Because they're married and they have children, and they're running a business, or they're taking the kids to to soccer practice or whatever. So So everybody's time is very limited, right? So you don't want to waste that time. You want to make the most use of that time as you can. So go for your designations. Join a board. Make your time worthwhile. Make the most of the time that you have. Don't just spend it. Make it pay you back. Make it earn something back for you. And so always, always, always learn, always be a resource, always try to be that person that's going to be valuable to somebody else that they're going to think of you. Because you know what? They might call you five times for something else. And then the one day you get to call, hey, Lauren, I have a friend of mine and he's buying five strip centers. And I thought of you, can you help them? So bingo, there it is. But that's, that's my best advice. And, uh, you know, and if you don't know, it's okay not to know, but tell them I'll get back. Let, Let me, let me do a little research. Let me find out what the best way is to approach this, but always, always be on your game and be smart and show up on time and add value for other people.
1: I love it. I love it. Great advice. Lauren, if people want to reach out to you specifically, how can they reach out to you? How can they connect with you? And how can they be able to ask maybe you questions that I didn't necessarily think of or questions that they might have? How can they reach out to you?
0: Sure. So it's L-O-R-I-N Montgomery. My cell phone is 954-732-9453. Again, 954-732-9453 and it's lorin.montgomery at bbrown.com. But the best way to reach me is on my cell phone. And if I'm awake and my phone is on, I will answer whether it's during office hours or on a weekend. So feel free, have at it. It would be my pleasure to be a resource.
1: Lauren, you've been amazing. I've been in love with this conversation. And I may try to pull you back in because I've got probably another 80 questions I would love to be able to ask you and just pick your brain about, but thank you so much for your time today. And, and I really appreciate you taking the time to be able to talk
0: to us. Thank you for the opportunity. Your energy is amazing. And it's my pleasure to be of service. I, I was, I, I'm in sales. I love to talk. So thank you for the opportunity to say my piece and you you've got great energy. I've enjoyed you so much as well.
1: Well, thank you so much.
0: Well, everybody, this has been another amazing episode of the Power Women in
1: Insurance podcast. If you know other women in the industry that are powerful, amazing, and making a difference, make sure you reach out to me. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and check us out on all your major podcast networks, uh, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is you get all your podcasts. Join us every single Wednesday as we talk to another amazing, powerful woman in the insurance space. Everybody have an amazing week.
2: Hey agents, listen to this, listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it, think of it. so you give me an auto quote, I can do 5 to 10 carriers in 3 to 7 minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call. Check us out. You can ask for me personally. I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? CAS Certified.